Good morning, everybody. So good to see you. Thank you, John, my fan club. I appreciate that. I'm glad to see all of you here today. Welcome in Jesus' name to Pebble Creek Baptist Church. And we welcome those who are outside listening. We have a few that sit outside and listen over a radio broadcast. Grateful for their being here today. And those who listen over the internet. And we do have a number of people from here and yonder who are listening over the internet today. I welcome all of you. I mentioned last week my sisters, and yes, one of them texted me. Yes, I was listening to you. Uh, and so uh, I told you my brother would not be listening, and he wasn't, of course, but my sisters both were. And, uh, but I'm glad all of you are here, no matter how you're here in person, over the Internet, or out in the parking lot. Thank you for coming today. I appreciate that very much. Uh, there once was a town picnic, and Catholic priest and the Jewish rabbi were longtime friends and they loved to have banter between one another and so the priest was feeling particularly um, funny that day when he picked up a ham biscuit and he said to his Jewish rabbi friend oh this is the best ham biscuit I have ever had it, it, it tastes like heaven itself you, you have not lived until you have tried this prize winning Virginia ham biscuit. you got to try it. When are you going to break down and enjoy a good ham biscuit? And the rabbi, not to be uh, taken second place at all, said, I tell you what, I'll eat that ham biscuit with you at your wedding. Okay, some of you a little slow. You'll catch it eventually, but Catholic priests don't get married, okay? The whole moral of the story is some things are just not going to happen. Some things are not going to happen. Well, there are some of us who feel that way spiritually. That there are levels we will never attain. There are goals we will never reach. We've had hopes and dreams and aspirations, but we seem to be frustrated of getting to the next level of spiritual depth or spiritual growth. We feel that uh, the breakthrough will never come. And so sometimes... We go into a kind of a spiritual malaise or depression thinking, I'll never get there. But many of us just fall into a rut of saying, well, uh, it's as deep as I'm ever going to go. It's as high as I'm ever going to get. I'll just be satisfied with where I am. And we forget that there are things that can be altered, that there are aspects of our lives that we do have some control over. And we're going to talk about those things, those aspects of our life over which we do have some control today. In fact, the man about whom we're going to read today in our text found that he could control these three things. And despite the circumstances of his life, he found that when he changed those three things, it made a huge difference. So I pray that we will see that as we look at our primary passage for today, found in Philippians chapter 1, beginning with verse 12. Philippians chapter 1, beginning with verse 12. Truly one of the great texts of all the Bible. It's powerful. You need to mark it down, underline it, whatever you do, because it's a great, great text. Chapter 1 of Philippians, Paul is writing from Rome, from a prison, we'll come back to that in a moment, in Rome, to the church at Philippi. 
which I told you last week was probably his favorite church. Now, you know you're my favorite church, don't you know that? But Paul wrote to the Philippians his favorite church. Look at verse 12 with me, please. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has actually resulted in the advancement of the gospel. What do you think he's referring to? The fact that he's in chains. He is in prison, bound to a Roman soldier. What has happened to me has actually resulted in the advancement of the gospel so that it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is for Christ. Most of the brothers in the Lord have gained confidence from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak, in the, speak the message fearlessly. Some to be sure. Verse 15. They preach Christ out of envy and strife, but others out of goodwill. Those do so out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely seeking to cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Look at verse 18. It's amazing. This, these are the words of a mature believer. Look at verse 18. What does it matter? Just that in every way, whether out of false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. Remember I told you what's the theme of Philippians? Joy. I rejoice. And I'm going to say it again. I will rejoice. Because I know, verse 19, this will lead to my deliverance through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And then verse 20. My eager expectation. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but now as always, with all boldness, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. The truths about which we read today, these aspects that we can alter in our environment may not make us perfect, but they will change us. They will change the way we see light. They'll alter us, really, and set us up for spiritual victory. Paul was waiting to be tried. Uh, and yet we see in this text, don't we, no indication of defeat. Uh, his, his body was bound but his spirit is not bound. We sense no defeat, no depression, no discouragement here at all. Now this is a man, Paul the Apostle, as I mentioned a little bit last week, who had risen to prominence and power in the Jewish hierarchy. But now he finds himself absolutely in the lowest of places. But yet we don't see any kind of depression coming from him. Here's a man who had been given a an exciting assignment to go root out Christians, even as far as Damascus. And there on that road, he was altered forever by a dramatic conversion. And now circumstances change once again, and he's in prison. So what did he learn in this experience? What did he learn? He, he, he once had rubbed elbows with the intelligentsia of society, and now he's in a prison shackled actually to Roman soldiers. There are three areas that he learned he could control. 
three areas he learned he could alter. And I want us to know today, these are areas that we can alter also. These are areas that if we do, can change us. Now, circumstances change. But there are areas which we control can control. Now, listen to me. Say that out loud with me, would you please? Circumstances change, but there are areas we can control. Leave it up just a moment, Brother Kirk. Listen to me. I've told you this before. We spend most of our life trying to change our circumstances for the better. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's good to try to better yourself, get a better education. Uh, some of you say, if I could just get a better wife or husband. But whatever, we, we spend a lot of our lives trying to change circumstances. Well, they're going to change. One way or the other, life happens, doesn't it? And we, let me tell you, I know almost all of you personally, and all of you struggle with something. Everybody. Even those people you think are just perfect, everybody struggles with something. Let me tell you, circumstance is going to change, but there are areas we can control. There are three quick things, and maybe not so quick today. First, mindset. There is mindset that we can alter. Let's look and see what happened. Look back to verses 12, 13, and 14 with me, and you will see Paul looking at his own mindset. Paul's desire was to preach in Rome. That was kind of the, uh, you know what a bucket list is? Yeah. Well, he had a bucket list. And his ultimate bucket list desire was to preach the gospel in Rome. Now, he probably wanted to do so coming in, you know, with crowds around him. He's going to preach the gospel. He's going to win thousands to Christ. One commentator said millions, but I don't think actually Roma had millions, but it had thousands and thousands of people. So instead of coming in, as some old evangelists used to do in a purple bus, he comes in as a what? As a prisoner. It's not at all what he might have envisioned for himself. He looks like a failure. You thought you were coming in as the great evangelist Paul, and here you're coming in in shackles. It's not what he had envisioned. Many of us look at our lives and say, huh, it's not turning out the way I dreamed it would. It's not ending up like I had hoped that it might. Paul could have become discouraged, but he did not find his joy in ideal circumstances. He found his joy in winning others to Christ. I mean, look at verses 12, 13, 14. Now, I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me has actually been for the good. It's not the way he would have chosen. It's not the roadmap he would have drawn out for himself. Who in this place is living a life perfectly like you would have envisioned when you were young? Nobody. Nobody. And I've told you before, many of you say... Pastor, I just wish God would just show me what's in the future. And you know what I say to everyone who ever's asked that? No, you do not. I promise you, you do not. You do not. Can somebody say amen about that? I'm telling you it's the truth. But Paul here, he finds himself saying, listen, what's happened to me is not what I would have chosen, but what has happened to me is serving to advance the gospel. God is using the bad that's happening to me so that, look at verse 13, it's become known everywhere, he says, 
that my imprisonment is for Christ. So instead of stopping the gospel progress, it has enhanced the gospel progress. You see, the chains of which Paul speaks gave him contact with the lost. Most scholars believe, because he speaks of the chains, that he is literally chained to a Roman centurion, maybe on both sides. You see, people were afraid of this new sect called Christianity. They were quite afraid of it. Uh, it had upended the whole Roman Empire. They just didn't know what this was about, so they had to keep a close eye on this man. So they chained him. Most of the time, these were six-hour shifts that would go. And so he had a different soldier or two with him at all times. Now, let me just ask you this. Can you imagine yourself being one of those soldiers? I mean, you are chained to the Apostle Paul. He might wake you up at midnight singing hymns of praise to the Lord. But you sure going to get witness to. And what are you going to do? You can't get away. That's why I used to like to talk to people about the Lord on airplanes. I mean, where are they going to go? Where are they going to go? You can only go to the bathroom so many times, but you're going to have to come back, sit beside of me in 24A or whatever it was. Oh, my goodness. Did I ever tell you I had a girl named Claire? I'll never forget. I don't even remember all of the story. But uh, I was, got on the plane and... Fortunately, I usually flew first class. Never, Southern Baptists never pay for first class tickets, ever. Too cheap. But because of, I flew so much, I was always given free upgrades. Oh, I can tell you a lot of stories. About, oh, can I just tell you one real funny one? I, this funny has nothing spiritual about it at all. I'm getting on an airplane. One, somebody bring me back to Claire in just a minute. But I'm getting on an airplane in Atlanta, which was my home way home, and a basketball team was behind me. Tall fellas. And the coach was right behind me as I'm getting on the plane. And I, you could tell he was coach. He was the only one with gray hair, the old one. And, but people were actually asking for his autograph. Well, I didn't know who he was. Didn't care. You know me and sports. But anyway, I, didn't, I could care less. But this man was, now I'm a little over six feet tall. This man was seven feet two inches tall. So I turned around to him. I said, you the coach? He said, yes, I am. I said, you got a free first-class upgrade? He said, no, I do not. I said, you do now. I said, take mine. If you go back there and sit in those cheap seats, you're going to break your legs. <laughs> he said, are you kidding me? I said, no, I'm not kidding you. It's not a long flight anyway. I'm not that nice of a guy, but I'll let you have it. Just give me your ticket, and I'll go sit back in the cheap seats with all the rest of the guys. He said, man, I'll do that. I said, okay, fine. He says, listen. I, I own a barbecue restaurant in Little Rock named something, something. If you're ever there, I'll give you a free barbecue meal. I said, yeah, whatever. So I forgot all about it. I fly back there cramped with the cattle, in the cattle car, you know. Years go by. Years go by. And then one day I'm asked to preach at a, a church in Little Rock. So I go to Little Rock, preach at this church, wonderful church. Some friends of mine go there. And they take me to lunch. And the husband was an athlete at one time, University of Arkansas. He was a quarterback. And he said, 
listen, there's a friend of mine I want you to meet. He's real tall. He said he used to play professional basketball, and his name is something Carnes or something. I can't remember. Doesn't matter. Don't care. He said, I said, okay, whatever. I'd already forgotten all about that. That was long ago. <laughs> so he comes over to the table, and I look. And I saw his face. I said, man, you owe me a free barbecue sandwich. <laughs> he was from a different religion. He didn't mind using some words. He said, what are you talking about? I said, I gave you a first-class seat, and you owe me a barbecue sandwich, and I have come to collect. <laughs> he finally looked. He said, I remember that. You gave me a first-class upgrade. I said, yes, I did. Give me my barbecue sandwich. You still came out of this ahead, son. So anyway, we had the best time picking at each other. Oh, my goodness. But I got me my free barbecue sandwich out of it. But anyway, Claire. Okay, we're getting on a plane. Claire's beside me and then some other guy. I think his name was Ed. I don't know. So I don't know what happened. But somebody said something and so I started into a spiritual discussion well what are they going to do now I asked him I said do you have any spiritual background at all she said no he was real quick he said I'm saved and I'm a southern Baptist and I go to a church in New Mexico I said whoa okay amen hallelujah that's good Ed that's good what about you honey do you have any kind of spiritual background? We were, I don't even remember what we talked about. She said, well, do you mean if I'm a, am I a Christian? I said, well. She said, do you mean if I, do I go to a Christian denomination? I said, well, okay, whatever. She said, well, no, I, I don't, and no, I'm not. And I said, okay. I said, can I tell you about it? She said, please. So I started sharing the gospel. Well, let me tell you, before the plane ended, she said, would you please pray with me so I can give Jesus my life? And old Ed's over there about to shout, you know. And so before we, I said, now listen, and I, I don't know why I did this, because I'm usually not that mean, I, I'm not nice, I, you know this. But I said, Claire, if you really mean that, you need to pray out loud in front of everybody. She said, well, I mean it. So we prayed, and Claire prayed real loud, out loud, because I made her in front of everybody gave her life to Christ she got off place she said can I hug you I said well yeah honey grab hold and I gave her my card next day I get an email still got it somewhere best airplane ride ever she said I got off that plane Dr. Page and I called my mother and I said mama my life has been changed forever I love Jesus isn't that sweet girl named Claire I don't even remember where she lives out west somewhere but let me tell you something. They couldn't get away from me. You couldn't get away from Paul. Can you imagine being chained for six hours to the apostle Paul? You're going to get witness to. You're going to get a theology lesson. You're going to get it all. Well, that's what happened. Those chains gave him contact with the lost. So not only was he saying this gospel is now expanding, but he said, listen to me. He said, even in, in the imperial household. You see, Caesar's household also heard the gospel. 
So, yeah, he wanted to come preach to all these people. He's getting to do it from the inside of a prison cell. Well, listen, I know some of you feel like you are in chains. You feel like you are behind bars, Jake. Sometimes we feel like we've got problems that just weigh us down, and we say, what can I do about it? Well, listen to me. Maybe, just maybe, you are where you are. And it may be God doing it. It may be your fault. But it may be God wants you today to say, I need to look at this with a different mindset. You see, I need to see that what I'm going through might just bring glory to God. It might somehow be used in a way that would bring an advance to the gospel. Because you see, people want to see how you live and how you react. The Apostle Paul also his chains also gave him contact with the saved. They gave him contact. They gave courage to the saved. Look at verse 14. He says, listen, even the people around me, the brothers now are preaching and speaking. The word does not pre mean preach. It's actually a word that means speak in everyday conversation. Everybody was speaking the gospel more fearlessly because of my imprisonment. Somehow my imprisonment's given people more courage in their everyday life. And so they're preaching and speaking the gospel, giving encouragement and bold witnessing wherever they are. My friends, listen to me. We're in difficult days. As I just taught my Sunday school class a while ago, the Bible says we're in the latter times. And we are in the latter times. People want to see how you're going to handle this. Wednesday was not a good day for some of us. You may have liked it. Some of us did not like it. Well, let me just tell you. Let me just tell you. People want to see how you handle it when you lose. Just as they want to see how you handle it when you win. Oh, my friends, it gave courage to the say. Listen carefully to me. There are people around you who are truly believers, but they need encouragement. They want to see how you are handling the circumstances, maybe not so good circumstances of your life. They are watching and want to see. They need to know that as a mature believer, that you are not simply whining and constantly complaining about where you are, but you're seeking opportunities to do what? Read it out loud. To bring glory to God through where you are. Let me tell you something. 2020, you know one of the things that stuck out to me the most? We got a whole nation full of whiners. Everybody whining about everything. And I was probably a part of it on occasion. But people want to see that we are quitting our whining and living in such a way that brings glory to God through where we are. There's a need to control our mindset. Can you today with the Apostle Paul say, Lord, I want to see... I want to see glory come to you through whatever I am in. We can control our mindset. You cannot always control your circumstance, but you can control your mindset. Quickly, second, we need to control our motives. I need to move on here. Uh, I, I preached longer last week. Nobody complained. Not, I never even look at the time, but we have a few Pharisees that will tell me later how long it was. But anyway, there's the need to control our motives. Look at verses 15 through 19. Did I say that? 15 through 19. Now, what does that mean? Paul points out a disunity in the fellowship. He says, 
there we got some problems in the church oh how things have changed not at all now, churches still have disunity problems and you've been in churches that had some bad disunity problems Paul is referring here to groups of people who rose up to oppose him and there were some very legalistic groups particularly others as well but particularly some legalistic groups that rose up to say you've got to follow our rules our way or you're not a Christian and Paul was pointing them out and in our lesson this morning to Timothy Paul pointed them out to young Timothy be careful with these people watch out for these people but because they have the wrong motive they're preaching he said out of envy and strife and that's not best others are preaching out of the right motive and that is the love of Christ so Paul's aim was to do what to glorify Christ and to get people to follow the Lord they were saying who are you following Paul or us Paul was saying are you following Christ I hope that's always the first question I ask anybody tell me about your relationship to the Lord that's more important where you go to church or are you a member of the church tell me about your relationship to Christ I'm not going to ask you what group you belong to I'm not going to ask you first what sect you belong to Paul said you need to control your motive so the passage calls for all of us to check our motives Paul looked at his critics his opportunities for the furtherance of the gospel what did he say in those verses listen whatever their motive is as long as Christ is being preached I'm happy whatever I'm happy he calls us to check our motives he calls us to ask in the church and in the workplace and in the home why do we do what we do is it so others would pat our back or is it so glory comes to the Lord why so we need to not only check our mindset we need to check our motives why do we do what we do are we here to serve the Lord and promote his agenda I told you the story before I'll tell it to you again the story the oft-told story about John Wesley and George Whitfield spell Whitefield but it's pronounced Whitfield they had deep theological disagreements I happen to fall in line with Wesley more than Whitfield but that's another story for another day but they were contemporaries in gospel preaching and were well-known to argue with each other about certain doctrinal matters someone asked Wesley one time Mr. Wesley do you think you will see Mr. Whitfield in heaven to which Mr. Wesley replied and said oh I doubt I will ever see him oh then you think he's not a converted man to which Wesley said oh I didn't say that I just think he'll be so close to the throne of God and I'll be so far away from the throne of God I doubt I'll ever see him when we see enemies as enemies that's one thing but Paul said if they're somehow sharing the gospel whatever their motive might be I'm just glad the gospel is being preached isn't that beautiful but we still are called to check our motives our motives do we possess the mind of Christ are we motivated with the right reason third and last quickly there's the issue of methodology verses 19 and 20 we see Paul saying because I know this will lead my deliverance how through your prayers and also through the Spirit of Jesus Christ 
my eager expectation, my hope, look at verse 20, is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but now as always with all boldness, Christ will be highly honored. He's looking toward the trial, probably before Nero. He's saying, oh God, I don't want anything to happen that would embarrass you. That ought to be the goal of all of our lives. Lord, I don't want anything to embarrass you. And all of us would have to say, we've embarrassed him enough. But he said, I don't want to do anything that would embarrass you. We need to check our methodology. You know, I've heard people say, well, it doesn't matter what you do as long as your heart's right. Oh, yes, it does matter what you do. Even in the church, you can use cheap, manipulative methodologies. We need to make sure our methodology is right. Not only do we do the right thing with the right motive, but we do it in the right way. Paul said we need to check our methodology. So last, let me just say this. It's incumbent upon every believer to check both our mindset, our motive, and yes, our methodology. We want to bring glory to the Lord, right? There's some things you can't change about where you are in your life right now. Nothing you really can do about it. You are where you are, and you may say, well, that kind of feels like I'm in change. Well, you can watch your mindset. You can ask, what is my motive, and am I doing things in the right way? Those are questions that can be answered and can be changed. Pray with me. Father God, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your precious word, your powerful word. And I pray, Lord God, that as we turn our hearts to you right now, that we would say yes to you. Let you be our Lord. And so right now, Lord, I do pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl here in this place that we would say yes to you. That there would be, if there's anyone here, Lord, that has yet to say, Jesus is Savior and Lord, that this would be the day of that salvation experience. But all of us, Lord, who do know you, need to take a moment and say, Lord, is my mindset correct? Is it where it ought to be? Have I been whining and complaining instead of looking at my life as a way to bring glory to you? Lord, have, have I got the right motives? Am I looking only to bring glory to you? And is what I do done in the right way? Lord, help us to answer those questions rightly today. And We ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.